Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. again and welcome to episode 141 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And it's less than two weeks, Steve, until Whitecaps pre-season camp kicks off. Really? That soon? <laughs> I thought it's, it's felt a long time to me. Yeah. I, it's, I'm just itching to, to get back to covering the team, get back to watching some football. Still a long way to go before we watch some football. Yeah. And I guess it probably hasn't helped as well in that the Whitecaps haven't been super busy so far this off-season. When, when you have a look at all the ins and outs throughout MLS, only one addition showing for the actual ins as a new player. Well, one official addition. If you, like, uh, what you're talking about, obviously, about the Japanese striker, Kudo. But uh, the if you lump in Tichera, because we didn't know if he was coming back, and he, they completed the transfer, so we, now he is a Whitecaps player. Well, we he's, did know, but we couldn't see. Yeah, he's not <laughs> he, he's not a lone player, so that's if you think of that, that's really two additions to the team. Yeah, and Debbie Flores was another guy. Yeah, was kind of signed in off loan. But I I like the way I, like people talk about like uh, uh, teams like TFC and 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 other teams that just made so many transactions on the first day. Like so many additions, bringing this player, bringing this guy. Yes, that's great for them, but they're they're they need to do those kinds of things. Yeah. If 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 you look at the Whitecaps roster right now, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but there's not that many openings at the top of the roster. There's maybe one starting spot that you would consider maybe an opening. Other than that, there's nothing really available. Yeah, and the the reaction, and I know you should never really go by Twitter reaction, but I I spend most of my life on Twitter, so that's basically where I get my reaction for everything. But the reaction on Twitter with all these other teams signing things was kind of it's a little bit nuts. It's like folk were really panicking that the Whitecaps were not rushing and doing business. And an article which I wrote for AFTN explained that in years past the Whitecaps have never been a busy club in December. And if you look at all the key additions that's been made to the squad in recent years, David Ousted signed in June, started playing in July. Kendall Waston joined the club in August. Matty Laba, Pedro Morales, they came in February. So, like, people are not joining this club in December. Yeah, and, and some people get upset when I reference other sports, but I'm going to reference another sport here, um, basically American football. There's a saying that, you know, which team wins the Super Bowl in March? That's when free agency opens. And that team that usually wins the Super Bowl in March never actually wins the Super Bowl in January or February when it's played. 
The, 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 you can make all the moves right off the bat when everything opens up. It's a matter of fitting and, and being patient, picking, getting the right players, taking care of your own players so they're happy, and so nobody's like jumping ahead of anybody else. I just have to look at TFC. Last two seasons, very active in the, the off-season. The kind of running joke again on Twitter is that they've won the, the off-season transactions, very busy in December with all their bloody big deals that they do. Still haven't won a playoff game. Only made the playoffs this year for the first time. And that was because of one player, basically, that yeah. they signed. And then, I think he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was not right off the bat. He, they actually took their time and brought him in slowly. Yeah. So that's another thing. And they paid a lot for him. And Robo's always said that he he's a manager that looks to the future. And he yeah. isn't going to rush in. And we're going to hear from Robo in this podcast. And he explains that if he doesn't want his roster full heading into pre-season camp. No. He wants the want ability to, to bring the flexibility to bring guys in. He said he's prepared to wait if it means a couple of months to, to get the player that he's actually wanting. He's prepared to do that. And the folk that were panicking, you just have to look that the Whitecaps finished second in the West, third overall in MLS. Yes, they did not get as far as maybe they could have done it was maybe a missed opportunity a little bit in the playoffs they lost to the eventual champion yeah. so it's not like it's something that they lost in a nobody team but at the same time they had a really good year and there's not a lot of tinkering that needs done there's just a couple of key positions that just have to get strengthened and the key one of course being a, a goal scorer and obviously the, they brought in that goal scorer and that's maybe the first person we should talk about uh, yeah they're the only signing so far Masato Kudo and, and by all accounts, he's a very highly regarded player in the J-League. Obviously, none of us have heard about him. We've watched videos now, by now, about his skills and what he can do. But, you know, he's very highly regarded. We'll see how he transitions to the MLS. Uh, obviously, we've had uh, one Japanese player before, well, not a couple, but one player directly coming from the J-League, which was Kobayashi. He didn't have a great year this year, but, uh, I mean, uh, the first year, but then he moved on to New England, and he's actually a pretty solid player for them right now. Yeah, which always seems to be the case with, with guys that don't seem to do well here. But I mean, Kudo is definitely a, a whole different proposition from someone like Kobayashi. He's coming here as the all-time leading scorer for Raysol. And I, I know nothing about the J-League. Went to check some J-League videos, ended up watching some J-pop videos. <laughs> then ended up watching some K-pop videos. And then I was just in a whole rabbit hole after that. Yeah, he's obviously he's obviously a guy who likes to be in the box. Um, he he seems like like you said he's a leading all time leading scorer of the team so he's a, a guy who can finish um, but he is a little uh, uh, stature size is a little smaller you would expect um, now obviously nothing's been announced but Maddox uh, seems like he would be on his way out at this point with another striker coming in that's got this much uh, stature and so you think he's replacing Maddox this time at the roster is that probably correct to say at this point. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting, though, to see... Like, Robbo, he said to us when we chatted with him in December, check out that podcast if you didn't, that he still considers Rivero his main striker, and whoever he brings in is there to help Rivero. So, taking it by what he said, Kudo has come in to help out Rivero. But that could all change. <laughs> Rivero, if he goes through the slump that he went through last year, with, yeah, playing well, holding up well... Yeah but then just not putting the ball in the back of the net. It's all going to depend on formation. And Carol's going to talk about this in, in a little bit. 
but it's how he wants to go. Will he play with two up front? If he goes with two up front, you're going to see Rivero and Kudo playing. And I think you're going to kind of see Kudo as the, the highest striker. Rivero possibly playing as a false nine. Maybe in a 4-4-2. Maybe a 4-1-3-2. 4-4-1-1. There's, there's a lot of different flexibility there. And that is what Robo's wanting this year. He's made a big point of talking about he wants more flexibility and the, the chance to tinker a little bit more. But it's, it looks on paper to be a, a great acquisition. As you say, he's a guy that likes to be in the box. And Rivero does like to do a lot of the, the grunt work, which I think he kind of had to do last year because he just didn't have the support up there to, yeah. to do anything else. But I think this could unlock something in Rivero as well. If anything, it's going to give Rivero a massive kick and that should give him the motivation to go out there. Robo's also talking about like both those players being in double figures, getting Kikuta Mane into double figures. So he's targeting more goals. There was three more in 2015 than 2014. You have to think that adding a player like this and with some other additions that may be down the line, hopefully... This should be the, the end to the Whitecaps goal-scoring problems. But ultimately, it still comes down to the chances of being created. They just have to get finished. And yeah, it's true that, that uh, you were spot on right there. That It all depends on how it goes in the preseason. Things can change, obviously, too. Uh, Robbins is going to obviously tinker with formation, like you said, in the preseason. And if he sees something better, he might go with that as well. So let's quickly uh, talk about uh, some of the players that have left since that last roundtable, which just came out, but we recorded it way back in December, early December. Um, uh, Betashore is obviously the big one. That, that's been the biggest departure because he's your main starter guy that, that's moved on. And it does leave a, a bit of a hole in the right back position. Yeah, and, but the thing is, is he, like we talked about in that podcast, that that obviously there was an amount that he wanted, and the Whitecaps just weren't going to be able to pay that to a right back, and uh, not very many teams out there probably would have paid it. TFC obviously they've had issues at the back, and they want to really solidify that, so they obviously they, maybe they're blowing all their tam this year, um, in order to uh, secure uh, maybe a longer run in the playoffs this time, and maybe more uh, more positive play throughout the regular season because they kind of were up and down during the regular season so obviously the big thing for them well I mean Betashire was on under 200,000 and the Whitecaps overpaid for him at that to, point to get him from yeah. San Jose yeah so from what I've heard he's on about 250, 260 that's at too Toronto much. And that's too much for a right it, it's not too much in any other league in but any, in yeah, MLS well, 100% yeah 100% that, that's what I meant like if it's if there's no cap then 260 is actually probably an underpayment. Yeah. That, that's that's the weird thing. It's like what MLS has done to yeah. us. You, you see a talented guy, because he is a solid defender. I don't like what he brings attacking-wise, but you want a defender that can defend, and he is a solid defender. And we're talking that, oh, 260, that's way overpaying for him. And then you look at guys in the top leagues in Europe and what they're on, and it's like they make stuff like that in a week. Yeah, exactly. So, no, 100%, if there's no, no cap... He's underpaid. Yeah. But I mean, you can't Cap pay, you cannot overpaid. pay a right back that kind of amount of money in MLS. And it's going to be interesting to see exactly what is on the books and what they've maybe used TAM for. But they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. It was an offer that White Caps either couldn't match or more likely weren't prepared to match. Yeah. And I think they were right in doing that. It does leave a hole and it leaves Jordan Smith as the main right back there. And 
We won't talk about that just now because Rob was going to talk about it when we play the, the audio with him. So we'll kind of talk about that after we play. Uh, and then that'll kind of tie into some super draft talk as well. But yep, that, that was the biggest departure. So another player that a lot of people, you know, in the in the fan world were looking to get was Will Johnson. Well, that's another TFC acquisition. Yeah, an- another winning of the offseason. But he was never coming to Vancouver, no matter how much no. we speculated that he might. Like everybody, because uh, he was in such a love fest with the supporters yeah. during the Canada Robo game. Robo would have loved him here. Yes. But there's no way that Caleb Porter was going to trade him, not only to a Western Conference rival, a but to a Cascadian rival. Yeah, so he, he was never coming here. So it was between Toronto and Chicago. And I thought he might have chosen Chicago just because they are a team that could be turned around. But he's he's also got family there, apparently. Like uh, yeah. Maybe his wife's family or something is from there. But obviously Toronto... Childhood friends with Michael Bradley. Bradley, and then he can also say he's playing for a Canadian team, and that's why he's you know makes him more Canadian, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's great because he'll be away in international duty, so it weakens Toronto. So <laughs> exactly, win win for the Whitecaps, and he could actually the the way that the Voyagers Cup draw has been made this year, the Toronto Montreal semi final falls in a FIFA international window. Excellent. So there's a good chance that, that Toronto could be missing tons of players and then could be another Whitecaps Montreal final. So, and then, okay, let's talk about two other players that we weren't sure about at that time, but still not totally sure about. Um, you got Mauro Rosales, Robert Earnshaw. Uh, recently, uh, they were on social media and they talked about coming back to Vancouver. Yeah, it looks like both are heading back for, for training camp. Rosales is maybe just going on a train or something with the club while he's looking for other options? I think so. And then if no one maybe comes in for him, Robo offers him a, a super cut price deal, maybe throws in a kind of coaching side yeah. role or something. It it would be good to keep him around, A, for his experience, B, as a guy, like having someone like that that's coming off the bench, and, and C, just for for his hair. Hair, yeah. And, and his uh, interviews as well. Well, yeah, obviously he's... One of my go-to guys, and the other one, of course, being Robert Earnshaw. Robert Earnshaw. So, <laughs> but is is Robert Earnshaw? Because, well, I guess there is a spot. A spot's open. So, see, they got Kudo and Rivero. If you can carry four strikers, Clark is gone. Maddox, we're assuming, is gone. Um, Hurtado is another one that could fit in there, but he could be gone too. Maybe they bring Earnshaw, or is it something else that might be in the works for him? Well, can't say too much just now, but I'll just break this little tidbit. Earnshaw is definitely coming back to Vancouver, barring some English club coming in for him during the transfer window, which looks unlikely. But he is coming back to Vancouver. It might not be the role that everyone's expecting, though. So stay tuned. Well, leave it at that, then. Or as Robo likes to say, watch the space. And talking to Robo, saying watch the space, that's a phrase he uses when... A few of us got a chance to, to talk to Carol last Thursday. It was myself... Gary Kingston from Vancouver Sun, Mark Weaver from the province, and Mark McMahon from 11.30 Radio. So we had a 25-minute chat with him about a number of things. The re-signing of Christian Teixeira, Tam, Kudo, the draft, a whole lot more. I was originally going to kind of split it up into different segments, but the way the kind of questions ran, because we each asked a couple of questions each and just kind of went round the room. It was a telephone conference call, just to point out as well. It was difficult to kind of split it up into more manageable sound bites because some of the things overlapped. So we're just going to include it as one big chunk. So it's 25 minutes of Robo. You might think, oh, 25 minutes, that's a lot to listen to in one go. It is, but it's very interesting stuff. Sheds a lot of light on stuff. 
particularly the TAM mechanism, how they've not used any so far and what's been used with Teixeira. And then I asked them exactly how the signing of Kudo came about. So that's an interesting piece as well. And with the draft coming up in a couple of days, a lot of chat and interesting stuff about that. Some of which you'll have read on my article on AFTN this morning. But let's hear it from the man himself. So without any further ado, here's our chat with Vancouver Whitecaps head coach, Carl Robinson. Yo, Carl Robinson, you're back again. If you do this again, pretty soon we'll be friends. You're the newest member of my fully sick faction. Got your rhymes locked, loaded, ready for action. Uh, all right, let's start with the news of the day. Uh, Christian Teixeira, it, um, you know, even after his last season ended, it seemed pretty positive. He wanted to come back. He wanted him back. Uh, not a big surprise to see him uh, back here, but um, how difficult were the negotiations to, to transfer him here and uh, and to get an extension signed, and how happy are you? I'm delighted, is, is to say an understatement. I thought he showed his value um, in the t- how valuable he is with the team last year. I thought what he brought to us was different to what we had with, with his goals, assists, but just his infectious play as well. So delighted to have him back. It was not an easy deal, obviously, as we know. Um, you know, I'd like to thank River Plate for uh, playing their part as well and helping us get a deal done. But as soon as the player wanted to come, I wanted the player. Um, River Plate knew that, and they were very good in the negotiations. And we managed to trash out a deal, which was, was good for all parties. So uh, I think everyone's happy. Yeah, you used some of your um, TAM money, is that correct, for, for both the transfer and in his contract? Is that correct? Yeah, well... You know, can we say what the TAM total was, or is that not? Uh... Do you know what? If you if you know it, say it. I don't know it to be, to be fair. <laughs> okay. To a hundred percent true. Um, so with, with with all the players, it's the TAM money is there for for use to obviously buy down players or from the the ones that are over the salary cap, or you know if your transfer fee gets put on the player as well, then buy it down there. So you know it's we use TAM money. I don't think on on both we used. You know, if you split his transfer fee over the amount of years or whatever, then you use the money to buy it down under uh, the max salary cap, which is what we did. So uh, I wouldn't say it was on both. It was just on the deal to, um, you know, get him uh, under a designated player status. But his transfer fee is included in that. So it's fair to say he's not uh, massively high. We asked Bobby today. I mean, he he indicated there's enough, whatever you used on Christian, that there's enough TAM left. Still for this year to, to do something significant is that uh, is that how you feel and, and, and what where do you think the priorities are now that you've got uh, Christian Lott? Yeah, you know we, we I think it was known last year and I, I let you know that I didn't use you know uh, all my time money last year. Um, in fact, I didn't use any last year. So we we had last year's time money and we got this year's time money as well. So you know it's it's not all of it used at all. It's not by uh, by a long means. So. We um, we still got money to play with with regards to money, which we will use um, to bring in other players. So um, Christian is is one of them players that's obviously took a little bit of the TAM money up with the transfer fee, and there will be other players players to follow that will be using that as well. But because it's just a different mechanism to to bring in players. But you know what you've got to do is you've got to be smart with your recruitment because. You know, if you're signing a player on a free transfer, usually the player wants more money, which is why he's on the, on the free transfer and he's holding out 
to see the end of his contract. If you don't, then and it's a player that's in contract, it's usually a transfer fee involved, which means that you have to put the transfer fee on top of the player's salary as well, which the player probably wants good money because he knows another club's uh, interested in him. So if, you, if you're a buying club, you're damned both ways. So it just it's very important that you get your recruitment right, and you know we we've got a good track record. Can you speak to the priorities now at all? Yeah, no, we, we, we're you know obviously we we lost we lost better, we know that, but you know we were able to get a deal with Jordan coming in at right back, so you know we'll have full faith in Jordan taking over that position there. We'll we'll maybe look at add someone there, we, you know, within the draft and. You know, would it be the first priority? No, there's one or two other priorities in the draft that I think will come ahead of that position. Um, you know, but we're always looking. You know, we're looking still to add about three or four more players. So um, there's another forward or two in the forward areas I would like to bring in as well um, from the from the draft. So uh, we're still looking. Maybe there might be one or two more out from the international market as well. Um, but what I don't want to do is, you know, have probably every roster spot fill full by next week because it doesn't allow me any flexibility unless I know the, the players that I exactly want are there um, because I might have to wait for a little bit of time for a player or two, which I'm willing to do. So uh, leaving a spot or two open is not, a, is not a problem to me to allow me some flexibility because, as I said, the nucleus of our squad is together. We've managed to keep the majority of our, our group together. From last year, we've let a couple of guys who, who didn't see as much time as they would like last year um, leave uh, for various reasons. And obviously, the, the better I mentioned there was our starting right back. But, you know, other than that, we, we, we're trying to bring in quality to affect the team, not to affect the squad, to affect the team, because it, that's the way you build your squad and get it stronger is by moving players out who haven't played as many games. Uh, to try and affect the guys that are playing week in, week out, and, and that's what we're going to focus on this year. Hi, Michael. How are you? I was up at your, uh, I was up your neck of the woods, by the way, watching Rangers and Hibs. That was a pretty good game. That was a great game. I, I slaughtered Kenny Miller after because he never, he wasn't in the box bar in the 59th minute when <laughs> he missed a sitter and then he got took off. So he obviously listened to me because four days later he scored a trick at Dumbarton away. So good. Kenny's still learning. Uh, Talking of strikers, then, um, you, you added Kudo, which kind of surprised a few people, mainly in because of where he came from, coming from Japan. It's different from the scouting that you've done down in Central and South America. Could you maybe just talk us through how that came about, and do you feel the Asian market is a big market to be tapped into that maybe other clubs in MLS haven't done? Well, maybe I threw everyone a curveball, because as soon as I went down to watch Costa Rica v Panama, apparently I was signing five Panamanians, uh, and I ended up <laughs> signing a Japanese forward, so yeah. uh, maybe I'd done it to uh, you know, uh, bluff a few. But no, it was, um, we, we, it's a market that you know, has got good players, we know that, and you know, getting Japanese players, Korean players is, is very difficult, um, but they're, they're very talented, and you know, if you look at throughout the world, throughout different countries, you've got some top, top players playing in the top leagues. And uh, Kudo had been mentioned to me um, last year. And I'd watched him, but at the time we were unable to do anything. And uh, maybe three months ago, uh, I was uh, someone had made contact with me about the possibility of him coming here again. So I made some steps and moves then to look at 
watching him a little bit more in depth and after watching him and you know getting five six people's different eyes on him and watching him live through someone who who I, who I know then you know there was only ever one decision I wanted to do was try and bring him to the club because you know in my eyes he was he was a top forward in the league in in that league and out of contract perfect age great background we know that the attributes that he has um, his goal scoring record he likes to be in the box which is something I think we missed last year um, and we need goals you know because goals win games so you know it affected us last year down the stretch we played some great stuff but we, we lost a, we missed out on a few goals in the last couple of games and we want to be able to have different options and he, he certainly brings that a different option to the table so we're delighted to have him on board you know he'll fit into into the club very well and, and the city very well uh, and I'm sure he'll be a firm fan favourite So how exactly is he then going to fit into the team you've got Octavio he likes to kind of play up front and get in the box as well I mean do you see Octavio maybe dropping back a false nine or like playing two strikers up front do, do you see Kuro maybe being on the wing things. yeah no listen there's different things that I'll I'll look at, you know, and everyone, will, you know, it's, it's the old adage of why do you not play with two forwards? And, you know, in, when in fact you do, you play with two wide players and a centre forward, which is three forwards. And why do you only play with one, mid, two midfielders when, you know, you can only play with one sitter and, and things like that? Listen, it's about players and it's about, um, you know, scoring goals. The game is, is pretty simple. And he's someone who can score goals, he's someone that can play up front, he's someone that can play wide. And, you know, adding to the players that we've already got, he's different to what we've got. So we'll look at a, a number of things. You know, at times last year we went with two up top, uh, and we'll do that again this year. You know, at times we'll go one up top, one forward. At, we, we might go a forward out wide where Kudo will fit in, or, or Xavier. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll look at certain different things in, in pre-season. And, you know, we want quality players. I don't want 11 players that you guys can name every single week that are going to be my starting players. I want a squad of you know, 18, 20 players that they're all competitive and I've got confidence in all of them, which I, I did have last year, which is why this year to strength and I'm trying to move out the guys who weren't in the 18 as regular as they wanted to be to try and get guys that want to be uh, and will be. So that will improve the the training, which will obviously improve the performances in games as well. So uh, I'm pretty flexible with the, with the formations and, and player personnel at the moment. You know, you touched on a little bit there. Mark asked you a question about... Um related to your priorities going into the draft. But, again, just based on that response, you seem to be saying that you're looking more at the at the attacking side in terms of potential players. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I am. Um, look, uh, you know, if you look at the last two years, we, we, we've been pretty solid defensively. You know, we've been pretty sound that way. So we'll, um, we'll, we'll need to make sure we're like that again this year. Obviously, we've lost, we lost Stephen, as we all know. But, you know, that could... You know, work out one of two ways. You know, oh, we've freed a lot of cap space. We know that, which will allow us then to strengthen at the top end of the pitch. Because, you know, when jo- signing Jordan on loan uh, again from Saprissa uh, is a very good move for us because he's a good attacking fullback. And you know, I want my fullbacks to attack a little bit more this year. Um, but to do that, it's a knock-on effect. If your fullback's going to attack a little bit more, then you need bodies in the box, which is why Kudo fits into that category. And then re-signing Christian, who scored seven goals last year, will 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 help. And obviously, Kakuta maybe trying to get to double figures will help as well with Octavio. So it's a knock-on effect. So I want players that are good players, first of all, that are good characters, 
like we got in Timmy last year. You know, it was a, it's a great draft for us last year, being able to get Tim Parker at, at 13. Uh, so I will be looking at the front end of the pitch to start with. You mentioned Tim Parker, and obviously Kakuta is a big part of the squad as well, but there's always this debate about how useful the, the MLS draft is, especially in comparison to, uh, say, other professional sports leagues in, in North America where the draft is pretty much it in terms of, of getting young players. How do you evaluate where the MLS draft is right now? You know, each year you, you tend to hear the same things. You tend to hear, well, the draft is, isn't as strong as it was last year, and it isn't this and it isn't that. It's a, it's a very good mechanism for building your squad. You know, are you going to pick out, if you've got three first-round draft picks, you know, Toronto had that last year, I believe, um, you know, and I'm not sure how successful that was for them, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work out. Kansas City are uh, one of the best teams at, at drafting players within this league. Peter does a great job of doing that and building a team as, as a DC United. So, you know, you've got to use it how you want to use it, and... We'll look at it. We got Timmy. Obviously, we had Darren. We had Kakuta. We had Eric Atado. You know, we've had a number of good players. Uh, we've had some players that worked out and some players that haven't worked out. Um, but it's important for us. But also, as important are our homegrown players and our, our residency program because we spend a lot of money on our program and we want to develop our own players. Which is why, obviously, having an eight homegrown players last year was great for us. You know, one or two of them move on this year, but it allows us to maybe pick up another one or two players at the draft until one or two more homegrown players are ready for us, you know, which won't be too far away because we've got some exciting 16, 17-year-old kids. There's also a possibility of, you know, one of our USL players stepping up because they're, be, they're going to be get, beginning given a chance in preseason as well. There's three or four that I, I quite fancy in, in the, that team as well that will give, be given the chance. So it's down to them to stake their claim to get into the squad of the MLS but the draft is a very important component but it is not the only component which I think is important to say. Uh, some talk about potentially trading up to a higher draft position. Have, have you been having any conversations with other teams about that possibility? Do you know what? I've kept my phone right off. I don't want to speak to too many people over Christmas because I speak to them during the season enough because they're usually on, on the phone to me about my players. So I, I haven't at the moment. Uh, I know that it will happen, and there is a possibility that obviously you can move up or you can move down. And with that, you've got to give up something if, uh, if you're low, and if you're high, then you're going to end up getting something. So we'll, we'll just assess the situation when we're down there based upon, obviously, we've got a good value of players we, we know that we like. Um, because of where we are in the, in, the, in the draft, it's going to be taken out of our hands at the start of it slightly. But we feel it's right to move up, then we certainly will, without a doubt. On the, on the matter of drafting, do you, do you have a specific policy in terms of do you draft the best player available or, or do you narrow it down to, to position in terms of, of what the squad's needs are? Again, it's, a, it's an open question that I think every manager will tell you uh, one thing, and if it's right that year, he'll tell you that's the way they do it. If it's wrong, he'll tell you the opposite one the second year. It certainly depends. If you've got a high pick, then... You know, if, you, if you're picking one, two, or three, then you've got to make the right decision. You know, it's key that you do that. If you've got a, a lower pick, then it, it might be taken out of your hands. And, you know, if you've got to pick 15, 16, like we have, then, you know, who knows what's available. And at that split second, you've got to decide what you're going to do. But I think the positional one is the important one for me to start with. Uh, having said that, if, if there's still a player that I've rated in my top five players that is available at, at 15, 
15, 16, and, and my player isn't available, then certainly I'll take the best player available. So, you know, I've not answered your question really, to be honest, have I? So I'll just sit on the fence with that one. <laughs> Thank you. Carl, it's Gary again. Uh, I just want to go back to something you, you said about, uh, you know, move, moving out guys who maybe weren't uh, in the 18 as, as much as they would have liked. Um, you know, let's let's face it. Darren Maddox has come up in that discussion the last two years. Uh, um, are, are you any closer to making a decision or making a move with Darren Maddox? No, Darren was in my eighteen a lot last year, Gary. So I think that one's um, you know he's players without outside of my eighteen. Uh, other ones that obviously I've moved out. There's yeah. and Darren. Darren is still penciled in to come back next year. Uh, I've got, you know, a very good uh, relationship with Darren, as we all know. Um, so we'll just see what happens because, you know, um, because of the relationship I have with him and the communication I have with him, we'll we'll just take it week by week. But you know, I've got no problems with Darren coming back at all. You know, he's got to come in. He's got to fight for his place. Uh, I'm sure he's, he'll do that, which he's done the last two years. Uh, and then it's down to the players. You know, all I'll do is try and build a squad. I'm not going to, uh, you know, say he's definitely playing and he's definitely playing because as a player, that's not what you want. You know, you want to build a squad of players and um, Aaron is part of that squad at the moment. The, the other thing I just wanted to ask was, uh, obviously, Tim Tim got the call up. Uh, you know, he's pretty excited about it. Um, um, how, how good do you feel? for? I mean, obviously, Christian got the experience last year around this time. Um, how good is it going to be for Tim, and uh, what do you think it'll do to, to help his development along? It'll be great for him. It really will, and I'm absolutely delighted for him because I think he deserves it. And, you know, I, I sent him a message, um, and he sent me one back saying, uh, I don't know if you know, Gaffer, that I've been called up. And I said, yeah, I do, because I've got to allow you to go. And then he was a bit apologetic because he thought, oh, okay, sorry, thank you for allowing me to go and listen <laughs> He, he, he deserves that because of the way he's played. And it's credit to him, and it's a full full reward. And he'll go into the camp with a number of other young players. But it gives, it gives him a little bit of a taste of it. But, you know, I don't want him to rest on his laurels. I want him to kick on again. Last year, he, he got himself into the team, and rightly so, and deservedly so. But, you know, you're going to have Christian Dean chasing him this year. You know, and they've got, they've got Aaron Kendall there as well. So there's going to be a fight on for positions because we've got two older centre-backs and we've got two younger centre-backs. And, you know, I'm not picking the team now for the first game of the season. You know, I'll do that based upon pre-season performances. But great news for Tim, as it was Christian last year. And it's exciting for him because he'll get to sample a little bit something different. Uh, but hopefully it'll make him a little bit more hungry as well. Uh, you mentioned Jordan Smith a couple of times. I would suggest that... The some fans don't maybe have as much confidence in him yet as you do. What, what, what do you see in him defensively, maybe, or just uh, in terms of his ability to, to grow and to learn that, that gives you confidence he can come back and you know that you guys won't miss Beta Shore defensively? Well, I think if you look at if you look at all of all fullbacks in the league, you know they're they're all very good at one thing, and whether that's attacking, you know, you look at. You know, Portland Timbers, you look at Alves Powell, he's arguably one of the best attacking fullbacks in the league. And, you know, you'd say his strengths are he likes to get forward and he's an attacking threat. And maybe he's not so strong in the defensive um, places. I believe that Jordan Smith is similar to Alves Powell. I think he's, he's an exciting attacking fullback who's got great quality on the ball. Uh, my job is to help him with his weaknesses or his you know, stuff where he struggles at. And, you know, it, 
people say to me, uh, which I think is a little bit harsh, um, he struggled defensively. Well, you know, he was he was caught out of position one time, um, but he managed two or three times to get back into position when the balls got played inside him. You know, we're talking about the Seattle goal where the ball was played over the top of him, and that was just a footwork issue. You know, he, he, by the time it took him to change his feet, he, the ball was played over the top of him, and Ivanchis took one touch and finished. It was a great pass, a great pass and a great goal. So, you know, I think sometimes people can pick out what they want to. You know, does he need to improve defensively? 100%, of course he does. Can he bring something to the table attacking-wise? Without a doubt he can, because he's got great quality, and, he, you know, he, he's very strong and uh, very quick. So, you know, my job, not just with him, will be to help him, defend uh, a little bit better but also then put him into spots and areas where he's very good because if he wasn't if he was brilliant at defending and he was brilliant and uh, um, brilliant at attacking unfortunately he probably wouldn't be here so you know I, I know what I'm working with um, but he's got the right attitude and mentality and I'm happy with that because he's still young and he can still learn so it's, it's going to be minor tweaks for him um, but it certainly will be tweaks footwork positioning like I had with Kendall when he first arrived Remember his first game, he played when we lost 3-0 at home to Portland and, you know, his footwork was all wrong, his positioning and, and sometimes his, you know, his decision-making. Well, you know, the same will be with that, will be with Jordan. I've got no uh, no concerns about that. Final two quick things from me. One about the right-back position. Now, you talked about a couple of the USL guys. You might want to have a look at them. There's a very good right-back there in Chris Serban. Do you feel it's maybe just a bit too early for him yet or is he somebody that you would maybe look at as backup or to, to kind of push Jordan Smith yeah no Chris Chris done very well obviously last year for us we know that and until he got his cheekbone injury which was a nasty one he'll he'll come into pre-season we'll have a good look at Chris so that that is an option you know I know we've got an even younger right back as well uh, pushing up pushing on as well so, uh, but I will also look in the draft because, you know, what I won't do with all these young players is I won't put them in if, in if I don't feel they're ready. Um, so uh, a decision won't be rushed into right back, even though we've lost an experience right back in Stephen. Uh, we've signed a, an international right back in Jordan. We know that. Um, we still will be looking at adding a player there. And as I said, I'll keep the options open, whether it's from, from our USL team, from the draft or from, our, from outside, because there's one or two international players that I could bring in as well. Uh, but I just want to see what's in the, see what's out there first before I do, make that decision. And that decision might not come until February, March anyway, because the USL guys step up and I feel that they're, they're worthy of their chance and, and placing the squad, then without a doubt, I'll do that as well. Then at the other end of the pitch... With the addition of Kudo, re-signing Christian, do you still feel, we, we kind of talked about this when we chatted last month, do you feel there's still a need maybe for bringing in a kind of like big bruiser type, a guy that's got more of an aerial threat to maybe coming off the bench? Well, I have to be playing four up front then, Michael, won't I? Well, off, off the bench, um, like someone that can, can, that can come in and change it up. Of
you know, there there are options out there, you know, that we've looked at. But again, there's, you know, it's it, it all comes down to money and whether we're able to fit people in within the within the cap and within the budget using our time money. So watch this space. Thanks so much. A lot of talk about the lack of gold at the end of last year, but um, I think fair to say Portland won the midfield battle in the playoffs too. How much thought have you had to put in for the central midfield area this year? And obviously, you want to get Pedro back healthy, but you know we've heard there's been interest in Will Johnson. We're, you know, whether there are rumors out of Panama about Cooper or not, how much thought do you have to put into where Kofi and Tiber can get to, and how much help you might need in that area? No, I think uh, you started off uh, uh, my answer by saying getting Pedro healthy is important to us because you know we missed him down the stretch. You're going to miss your best players down the stretch, and that's certainly what happened. And you know I threw him in in the in the Portland game because you know it was a game I felt we could win. Uh, we wanted to win, and I tried to win the game by throwing him in. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. It wasn't Pedro's fault. It was it was our fault. Um, and, and credit to Portland for beating us on that day. So. You know, on paper, with with Rusty, with Coffee, with Matty Labo, and with Davy, I'm more than happy with the midfield players. Added into that, the the Pedro Morales, the Nico Mosquita. You know, people forget about Nico as well, and you know, I certainly don't. You know, he's very important to us when we went on a, a winning stretch through the mid-season, even though he didn't score enough goals, and even though he didn't have enough assists. And I know Nico can do that as well. You know, you see him score goals for fun in training, so. You know, he, he's a, an attacking midfield type player, second forward. So it, it, it's not just one player, it, it's a number of players, you know, and to answer the goal scenario, can we keep Pedro on the fit and keep getting more healthy? Yes. Can Kakuta and Tachira score more goals? Can Octavio score a few more goals? Can Darren score a few more goals? Can Coffey chip in with two or three more? Can Rusty get himself full? There's a number of things, uh, but I'm more than happy with my midfield players. Having said that, am I still looking? Of course, if I, if I wasn't still looking, I wouldn't be doing my job correctly. And, you know, that's one, one thing I do do is do my job correctly. And I've got to make sure that, that I'm always thinking ahead. Because if a player that I can get it becomes available that I feel is better than the one I have, then without a doubt I'll try and bring him in. Whether I need to make a move or not then is, is the second point of it. But without a doubt I will do that. Thanks, Carl. So that was Carl Robinson there last week just talking about a number of what hopefully you find to be, be interesting things. So one of them, which we alluded to before we played that, was the whole right-back situation. Betashire moving on. As you heard there, he has faith in Jordan Smith being the starter in that position. It's going to be a lot of people listening to this that maybe don't quite have that faith in, in Jordan Smith being a starting right-back at the moment. Yeah, but he's, he's going to have a full training camp with Robbo. He's going to be able to train and figure out stuff. Who knows how much that was emphasized in Costa Rica with his club team. Maybe they didn't care about him defending it all, so they essentially let him go free forward and he'd have to work on it. So maybe this is something that he has to work on now. Well, yeah, and like the interesting thing, as Robo said there, what he's wanting this season is he's wanting both his full-backs to attack more. Yeah. So from hearing that, it's pretty obvious that your two attacking full-backs are going to be Sam Adekugbe on the left 
Jordan Smith on the right. Because for as great as Jordan Harvey is as a defender, and he will get a lot of minutes this year still as well, for the kind of games that Robbo's wanting to attack, you're going to have Adekug be in. For the games that Robbo's maybe wanting to be a little bit more defensive, so maybe on the road, you might see Harvey in. And then on the right side, Jordan Smith, he likes what he brings to the table attacking-wise, but he knows he needs to, to work on his defensive side of the game. And that things can always be improved on. So, um, But other than that, right back, you still need somebody to back him up. Or you have to have someone challenging him as well. Exactly. That's that, that, that that's probably even more important than just backing him up. Because you, like we talked about Rivero last year um, and his goal is streak. There was nobody to put him in, in, in the spot and challenge him. So there, he was basically there the whole time. He had to work through his issues because there was no other options really. Because Maddox was in Jamaica, uh, seemed like half the year last year. And that's where he did his, all his scoring. That's true. I mean, the... Matix is still with the club as well ahead of the the draft on Thursday. Talking about the draft, then uh, obviously Robbo talked about that and, and possibly moving up in the draft. I I think if it's a player that they really identify that that they don't want to go without, maybe they do trade up or maybe they just trade Maddox for a pick in the top five or top six or whatever. Well, I mean, to the, get that player. The, the scuttlebutt has been that Caps are going to trade with Chicago, get the number one spot. Take Joshua Yarrow from Georgetown as their new right back. Everything's sorted. Probably give up Matics in return. Robo said there, and as I wrote in, in the whole article, which was on AFTN on Tuesday, about the draft and Robo's comments, is it a smokescreen? Leonard Doozy, when he spoke the same day, was going on kind of about, oh yeah, he talked about Joshua Yarrow, he talked about right backs and looking at them, and there's a few of them in the draft this year that's strong. Robbo there, though, says right-back's not his priority. He's looking at the attacking side of the pitch, the other end of the pitch. Smokescreen? Oh, one, one thing about any draft in any league, you don't trust anything anybody says because everything they, everything is said in order for that team to get the best player they want or the player they want. So, Well, as, as Stone Cold Steve Austin taught me, DTA, don't trust anyone. No, that, no that's 100% true, especially around draft time. Um the, I think in the past they've they've said that they were looking to get attacking, and I think they picked a center back or something in one year, and, and so it's, it's all over the place. There's no way you can guess who who everybody identifies. Even even people who say that people want to be off the record in order to um, in order to because they don't want to be identified or anything like that. Even the stuff they say you can't trust because that they could just be saying stuff against the player in order to move them down the draft so they could pick him when he, he comes up later on. So well, it's, the interesting it's all thing the as well, like when when the stuff was coming out that the White Cats might trade for that number one spot to get Yarrow, the Chicago fans were like, "No, we don't need a striker. We want Yarrow." And I've never seen anybody wanting to get right back in the first pick. <laughs> you want a striker? Well, the, the weird thing with me with Yarrow is he is a centre back. Yeah. And it's thought that when he goes to MLS, he's going to be a right-back. Now, when you've got a solid defensive team like the Whitecaps have, and Robbo said there the last two years, defensively, they've been excellent. And they have been. Yes, they now need to do something to replace Beta, sure. But you're not wanting to put in an untested guy in that defence, starting, that it's not his natural position. No, yeah. And the thing is, is he's played... Uh, another uh, uh, guy that's in the draft, uh, 
Keegan uh, Rosenberry or yeah, something like that. Yeah, who's also he's, from Georgetown. Uh, he's from Georgetown. He's a right back as well. They Maybe they moved him to center back because they wanted to get both these guys on the pitch at the same time. And, and Yarrow was the I guy that was a little much, taller. Yeah, that, that is what it was. And it's yeah. like, for me, if I was going for one of those two, you're going to go for the natural right back. You're going yeah. to go for Rosenberry. And he's not going to be a top five choice. No, and he could, yeah, and he could be a guy who slips out of the top ten. Right now, a lot of people have him rated in, like in the somewhere around the ten spot or whatever. It's like, and I think he was a uh, Philadelphia homegrown player as well, and that was rejected. So he, maybe Philadelphia takes him with the sixth pick if they really like him, or or he slips down out of the top ten. I mean, that's going to be the thing as well. Like Robbo is going to know who he's going to want. As his main guys. He's, he talked about having his top five guys. Last year, Parker was in the top five. I actually think he said that he had him as his number one player. And he was delighted to get him as low as 13. He didn't think he would still be available. At the time, you're thinking, oh, he's, that's just talk. But we know now that he really meant that. And what a great pick Parker was. So there are still good people out there around about 13, 14, 15 caps of 16 this year. I think... They could. I, I don't think they should go for Yarrow. I think that would be a mistake to give up a big asset like Matix to take an untested right back. They could trade up, maybe give someone like Hurtado for a pick between 6 and 10 to make sure they get Rosenberry if they really want to get a right yeah. back. The, the thing is, is uh, I don't have a problem. If if Maddox is going to move on, the... the, the, the the positive about moving him for a draft pick is... And if you get something else in addition to a draft pick, that's even better. Maybe international spot or something like that. Which we're going to need. Because uh, Maddox does have a green card, so he wouldn't count as international player for anybody in the States. So if you get something back for that like that... The the thing is, if you trade for one of those spots, you get Maddox's contract off the books, and then you pick up a general generation Adidas player... Which means you don't pay for this guy. Like he doesn't count against the cap, and he's he's relatively going to be your starter, one A or one B starter. So that's 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 the thing that would be a positive for that. One other player that if they they're not looking at right back and they're looking for an attacker that would be interesting if they traded up would be the Akron guy, um, and he's Canadian as well, Richie uh, Laria, I think they maybe pronounced. Um, he's from Ontario. He might be an option. He could play like a wing spot, maybe be somebody that they could develop going forward or something like that. I'm not even sure that they would need to trade up with him. I mean, there. Well, no, he's he's, he's the rumors, top five. He's yeah, the top five pick. There were some rumors that Montreal might want him. Yeah, somebody's gonna. I, I have a feeling that somebody's gonna take him in the top five. I doubt. Maybe he goes to six or seven, but the, the, based on the buzz. I've only seen YouTube clips of him, so don't take this from me. But based on the buzz, he would go in the top five, six or seven at the latest. See, the last couple of years, I've I've taken more of an interest in the college game. I've watched some NCAA games, gone down to the States and, and watched some games. And there was players that I knew that were in the draft that I liked. This year, with WFC2, all the other stuff going on, no, haven't, no had a, haven't had a, no a chance to, to look at it. So there's barely time to track stuff going on. I, I know nothing about these guys or who would be a good attacking option if that's what Robo wants to go for. To me... Just reading stuff. If they were gonna like give something up to try and get a, a really top pick, last year was the year to do it to try and get Kyle Lara. And I, I think I said that. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Orlando <laughs> were gonna give him up for anything. No. But that would have been the the kind of thing to to do last year. This year, no one's jumping out as a guy that's gonna make 
the difference. And Robbo's talked about he's only wanting to bring in players into the squad now that are difference makers and different to what he already has. Yeah. And we don't know enough about any of these. It's a lottery. It's a crapshoot. For every Parker, there's an Adam Clement or a Jovan Blagojevic who we took third last year and then just couldn't cut it with WFC 2 and, and he's gone now. Yeah, the, once you get out of the first round, there's absolutely a crapshoot. You just try to take the most talented player or something you see in a player you could develop. And the uh, Caps have the most picks, apparently, of any team in the draft this year. Six picks. Yeah, and a lot of those guys are probably going to be WFC 2 players. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, one thing I want to say is that if they do take a right back, it's going to be a, a guy that can go attacking and defending or just defending. I don't think they take somebody that has defensive issues because of Jordan Smith. So yeah, that's, well, that's a sure. That, as uh, Robbo said... That's the only thing I'm going to sure. <laughs> so, I mean, Robbo's feeling was fullbacks have one key attribute. They're either good going forward and the defending leaves a little bit to be desired or they're good at defending but going forward they lack something. So if, the, if you can find an ideal person in the draft that's going to do that, Who's to say it's one of the ones that's rated in the top two, three in that position? Yeah. Robo and Alan Koch have a good eye for talent. And it, it could be a big surprise all round. I just don't think we should give up too much for these untested guys when you've got some strong residency talent coming through. I mean, I, as I mentioned to, to Robo there, Chris Serban. Yeah. Too early for him, I think, to be pushing for MLS thing with Smith. But, I mean, he's a talent. You've got Caden Chung. Well, he's young, very young at this point. But, I mean, that's the guys that yeah, you've got coming through the definitely. pipeline. That's why you need, if you could get, like, a guy, it's, I know you said don't trade up, but if you can get a guy like a Rosenberry or a McCrary or somebody that can fill that gap until those guys are ready, yeah. basically that's what you do. You got you, Even Jordan Smith is a placeholder right now until either Serban or Caden Chung is ready for the prime time. And for all the, the flack that Jordan Smith got last year, he was great at training, we said that several times on the podcast, and I know a lot of the guys are great on training, and then it's when they get on the pitch, it all kind of goes to pot. But he was called up in December to play for his national team. You're not going to get that call up unless you're a good player. So I think a little bit of patience and a little bit of time with Jordan Smith is what is needed. The right side of the park is possibly an issue for the Whitecaps. There's another void there with Myra Rosales being away. When Myro was injured last year, we didn't really have... I mean, Christian Teixeira can play left and right. Yeah. We might have a new guy coming in. It broke about 20 minutes after we had done our conference call with, with Robo last, last week. Another Costa Rican, very experienced Costa Rican, played at two World Cups, Christian Balanis. A lot of Christians on the team. I mean, getting Balanis here... Robo has coveted him for a while. He's been a big fan of him. He tried to get it done before. It couldn't happen. He's a free agent now. The word on the street was that he was in Florida at the start of the week. Robo and his team are down there, meeting Robo, signing the forms, getting his medical. Looks to be a done deal, and it's a fantastic done deal. Yeah, he's going to bring... He Essentially, like I know we said Rosales is coming to for training, but he would be the replacement for Rosales at this point. He would be that second guy, second guy behind Tichera, battling him, battling Manny for spot, even battling the tenth spot. I think with Morales, he can be backing up that spot too. So I, I think he is diverse enough in this league that he can he can play a lot of spots. Maybe he even pa- passes Tichera and becomes a starter for the first part of the season. Well, I think everyone knows what a big fan of Tichera that I am. I can't see anyone overtaking Tichera. Well, they could hop over him. 
Oh, well, yeah. He's short enough for that. So other than the right back position, and obviously if Bolanis is looks like he's going to be in that in that third number three winger spot, the other positions I see are maybe a, a big striker. I think still think they need one of those guys, like uh, like a like we said. And Al, and as we're recording here, Alan Gordon has signed with the LA Galaxy. Yep, but an Alan Gordon type, disappointing. Yeah, Alan Gordon type. Size striker, big bruiser, Connor Casey style guy, and obviously we said the right back position. We need somebody to challenge uh, Jordan Smith, and uh, the another spot that I wanted your opinion on. Um, you're high on Spencer Ritchie, the backup goal put under position. We Tornagi was gone before we recorded the last podcast, but Robinson said he's confident in those two. But do you think somebody will be brought in for experience? I I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't think so. Richie is capable, Carducci's capable. But if David Elsted goes down, that's the question. Yeah. If David Elsted goes down, are you confident in Richie and Carducci being a number one strike uh, goalkeeper? I am for a limited period of time. If it was a season-ending injury for Elsted or he was going to be out three-plus months, heaven forbid, um, I don't know. It's hard to really gauge just how good they are at that level because they let in so many goals at USL level because they had a shocking defence in front of them for, for most of the year. And most of the goals that they let in wasn't their fault. It's a tough one. I don't think he'll bring anyone in. The main decision here is if Richie outdoes Carducci in pre-season, he's obviously going to have to give him a contract. Whereas just now, you've got Carducci has that MLS contract, so you'd be using another roster spot on a third keeper which might be a little bit of a waste. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally confident in Carducci. I was last year too. I, I don't know what happened where he wasn't getting as much playing time. Well, they, they wanted to split it and then because they wanted uh, to give Ternaghi the time as well. But Richie is a top, top keeper. And if he hadn't had the leg injury in his senior year, he would have probably gone the definitely first round, first round of the, of the draft. Early second. Yeah. yeah, and it was another great pickup by Robbo to get a player of that quality so so late down but I mean he had his red shirt year which kind of reduced his stock value a bit but he's a top keeper yeah well if that's the case then then it might be beneficial because they don't have to spend that much for that backup keeper I'd still rather that we had brought Callum Irvin in and I totally understand why they've come to the mutual decision not to but some club is going to get a great keeper in Callum Irvin in the draft on Thursday. Yeah, it'll probably be a second round that he'll be picked in the, at this point. Yeah, I think he was rated the second highest keeper now. But but keep, keep, there's no keeper. I know Andre Blake was drafted like a, a couple of years ago, but I don't see that happening this year. And it's all like no one knows. Yeah, I mean, at this we're just age, all making guesses, anyways. I mean, with keepers as well. Keepers have a long career ahead of them. That's why. That's why nobody wants on. to draft them too high because you don't know how they're going to turn out. So I mean, who's to say Callum Irving won't end up in Vancouver at some point? Yeah, David Eisted moves on. Cats make a move to bring the guy back home. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in the draft on Thursday. I, I'm I'm feeling good about the team though, Steve. I mean, what's your thoughts right now? Training camp is less than two weeks away. Going into it, how confident are you in the squad? How confident are you feeling going into the season? I'm, I'm not gonna like. I'm always taking the fact that I want to see something before I even state how confident I am in the squad. But if you want to say on paper, I have no issues with the squad right now. Like especially if especially if the Bolanis, um acquisition happens. 
I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong, but if that, if that, if that, uh, I think it is pronounced acquisition. Is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if that acquisition does happen, then I actually really like the squad. I'm really liking it uh, because they're more dynamic attacking players. All they need is a big striker, one B right back, and that's basically it. And then the rest of it is just like people depth, and yeah. they can pick that up anywhere. And making sure that your own homegrown guys and the, the other young talent that you've got on the roster get their key minutes to help develop and bring them forward. But Carl Robinson has built a very solid nucleus. Yeah. It's a core that is going to be around for a number of years unless someone comes in to snap them up. And I'm feeling pretty confident ahead of the season. I, I agree with you. I think it's a much more dynamic looking team. We still have to see that they can put the ball in the back of the net. I mean, Toronto FC's motto should be great on paper, crap on grass. Yeah. I don't think the Whitecaps are going to be falling into that category with this team. Staying healthy, of course, is a key because although I would say that their game day 18 looks really strong, I still have some concerns about the depth aspect of it. We, we threw that question out on Twitter just how confident are some of our listeners heading into the preseason that the that the Caps had a really good team? So here's what some of them had to say. We'll start with our photographer, uh, at residual image, Tom Iwasiak. He says, I never feel good till I see them beat Portland. So that'll be the end of February then. VWFC Frank, at Frank Frankerton, um, he feels that it's, he likes it better than the Canadian dollar. Which... Wolf. It's under 70 cents today, apparently 69. Great number for a lot of things, but not for the Canadian dollar exchange rate. Which is probably actually going to hit a lot of fans travelling, I think, this year. I think it's going to hurt, yeah. I mean, we, ha- we haven't looked at the schedule. We'll finish with a quick chat about that, so we'll come back to that. Long-time listener, at Elizan X, Matthew DeCap. He says, I'm having very positive feelings. Probably jinxing everything. So we'll blame him, basically, if something goes wrong. Yep, we know where you live, Matthew. Anna... At Anna Namshrin. Oh, uh, yeah. She says, um, I don't feel as blindly optimistic about the new guys as I was last year. So that means everything will probably be great. So she's the reverse jinx, Yeah, so that's good. So, so one of them's going to be right. Well, actually, no, they're both confident. So yeah. anyway. <laughs> oh, no, she's not. Okay, anyway. Um, and the last one, uh, Greg Petrie at Iredom World. He says he's not panicking, but they still have a lot to do, he feels. A better right back. Clearing out deadweight players and another striker needed. Which is what I said, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just to, to finish off this podcast, the schedule's out. I, I like it. I think it's apart from... It's really from, out early, too. This time. Was, I love it. Great for booking trips and holidays yeah. and work schedules and everything. Apart from that kind of really horrible three-game stretch at the end of July, start of August, where they're in the heat of Dallas, Houston and Colorado... If they get many points from that, that'll be a fantastic trip. It's a it's a good schedule. I like it. I like how the games are split up. I'm looking at going to all the Cascadia games. Was pricing out going through to New York for, for the game at Yankee Stadium. Was really looking forward to doing that. Not sure I'm going to. The exchange rate, I think, is going to hit a lot of folks' travel plans. And the cost of hotel rooms in New York, never been. And I hadn't... I didn't really appreciate how expensive it was, but... Well, I would go somewhere in New Jersey or something like that. If you're going to book a hotel yeah. room, I would not go to uh, New York inside there. But I think it's a good schedule. It's good for the caps, and... There's the no... Head- there's no, It's a very consistent schedule. Um, yeah, there are, what, six, seven Wednesday games or something like that. Um, but there's no... 
there's no like Wednesday and then the weekend off and then they play next Wednesday and then they got another 10 day. Uh, there's no weird thing like that like we had at the end of this year. Um, Still some now, ridiculous things around the Canada games and international window. Now, but, the, the end of the season is particularly fantastic. You have games against Seattle and Portland to, to wrap the season up at BC with, Place. With sandwich with a, a trip to San Jose. Yeah, it's going to be a very exciting end to the season. And the, Voyager's cup, the, the, the Voyager's cup as well does not um, uh, intrude too much, especially the opening games, I think. I think it's during a bye week, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's the, it's the Central America Yeah, thing. but so we'll be able to play the games while other teams are away on international duty or something like that, I yeah. guess. So it, it's not too bad, but and we'll see how it fits in with um, the finals if the Whitecaps do advance. And obviously, we don't know what the CONCACAF, that draw is going to happen in the group, so we'll see how that fits in with the regular schedule as well. So a lot to look forward to. As we say, it kicks off in less than two weeks. Training camp gets underway. Pre-season trips to Arizona and Portland again. We're going down to Portland. Well, I'm going down to Portland. and I, I, I think there's a good chance I'll be there for maybe one of the games, or maybe hopefully two. So we'll, we'll bring some fun stuff. We've got a few things planned. So before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online, Steve. You can find me on Twitter, if I ever get back to it, uh, at WhitecapsBeat. You can find me on Twitter, at AFTN Canada. You can read all our stuff, AFTN.ca, away from the numbers. I'm also the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so check out my stuff on there. So as always, thanks for listening, and until next time, take care, and may all your draft days be good ones. Bye everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful, and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.